Hello, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Moving Up the Ladder, where we look to give you some knowledge and insight into the potential success of your career or business, no matter who you are or what you do. With LocalJobNetwork.com Radio, I'm your host, Tim Muma. Again, we're going to go in-depth into Manpower Group's top 10 hardest jobs to fill, this time turning our attention to sales representatives. Clearly, something needs to change in the industry, among employers and job seekers alike, as the bottom line of businesses may be at stake should these positions continue to remain vacant. Here to give us his experienced perspective is Jerry Stapleton, president of Stapleton Resources in Wisconsin. Jerry, thanks a lot for joining us today. Thanks for having me here, Tim. Before we get into the you know the subject itself, if you could give people an idea of your experience in the sales world and also what your company does. Sure. I, I actually started in the sales, well, going back a, quite a bit further, I started as an engineer working for a company that was in the business of high-temperature alloys, and I had a, a background in metallurgy and started to travel with the sales guys um, as this sort of technical expert. And as I was doing that, I sort of came... Uh, became as sort of drawn to what sales people did, at least in that old paradigm. And as, I, as we get into this discussion here today, you'll probably hear me talk a little bit about a new paradigm of sales. Um, and so I, I, I worked in the world of sales in, in high temperature alloys for a couple of years. And then um, back in the late 80s, moved to Connecticut, where I started in a, uh, a sales training kind of company. And it was a different kind of sales training company that um, rather than, you know, when you think of sales trainers, you think of people that are going out and doing seminars or motivational mm-hmm. speeches and things like that. The way that we worked, and, and, and I, I worked in this sales training business for the first 13 years, and it's re- quite relevant to what we talk about today, is instead of doing the seminars and whatnot, I'd go in the field and do joint calls with client salespeople. And, and over the years, 12, 13 years, did about 1,000 joint calls with about 40 different companies from IBM, Dun & Bradstreet, uh, Great Plains Software, lots and lots of different kinds of companies uh, where I was out in the field doing joint calls. And it's from that experience in the trenches with them that uh, sort of all of that that know-how, those observations and whatnot sort of form the basis for – uh, what the company is uh, right now. You know, and you touched on it a little bit, obviously, and, and the idea of maybe a traditional view of, of a sales rep versus sort of what maybe you're bringing to the table in terms of perspective. But when we do look at that term, sales representative, is there a way to define that? Is there a definition that people are, uh, look to that maybe is causing a problem as we speak? I guess everybody has a definition of, of, of what they think it is. I like to step back and say, what's really the job? Mm. of the salesperson. And I, I like to approach that by if, if we had a group of 10 salespeople in here, I'd, I'd say, okay, complete this sentence. In any company, salespeople exist to do what? Mm. And then you, you listen for how they complete that sentence. And, and what you normally get is, you know, things like close deals and build relationships and things like that. But ultimately, what you want them to say and what we want to teach them to say is to contribute profitable revenue to my own company. And that doesn't always occur to salespeople, you know, naturally or organically. But but when we talk about the job of sales, that's really it. And especially in sales, uh, salespeople can lose sight of, of that, that. That's really what they're there to do. Right. Profitable revenue. So when we're looking at this, and as I said, we're going off of Manpower's top 10 hardest jobs to fill, based on your knowledge, your experience, things you've seen, maybe you know, been involved with, 
what is making it such a tough position to fill? And really, it's consistently considered one of the top spots to fill. The, you know, as I as I thought about that, and, and you said it's one of the top ten hardest jobs to fill. I don't know for a fact that I'm right about this, but I think like the skilled <laughs> trades are probably the single hardest job mm. to fill because they can't get people at all right. to go into skilled trades. That is on, and that is on the list too. Right? as one of the top. Yeah. Ones, okay. Yeah. And I think the challenge there is nobody wants to go into it. Mm. I think in sales. And, and I may be wrong in this, but I wonder if the challenge isn't so much you can't find people to go into it because a lot of people are drawn to sales. But I think the frustration of the challenge is, is more um, uh, getting people into – hiring people into sales roles that are actually contributing, substantially contributing to the, uh, to the bottom line. Mm-hmm. And maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong on that, but I, my observation has been pretty easy to find people that are interested to go into sales, um, but finding the right ones and 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 finding people that actually do contribute is the challenge. And that's a, a number of these. It's like you said, it's not that people aren't interested or, or applying or that sort of thing, but it, it's that idea of a, a talent shortage or a talent gap uh, in terms of being able to get the job done, which is a little bit what you're talking about. There. Right. Can you point to anything with that? I mean, is it simply a skill thing? Is it a, a perspective? Um, you know, as you talked about, maybe this paradigm shift, that sort of thing. I mean, is that something that should be further examined in your mind? Yeah, you know, it's, it's, we joked a little bit earlier about Einstein's definition of insanity. You know, you, you keep doing the same thing and expecting different results. Mm-hmm. That, I think, is, is a good way to, to think about this. And, and, and what I think is the, the, the challenge or the problem in, in hiring good salespeople is there, there is a commonly accepted paradigm of what sales is. And I, I even I even use a created a little exercise around it. We call it Schlamowitz goes into sales. And it's about <laughs> Frank Schlamowitz, who is a um, uh, he's a third shift turret lathe operator for XYZ manufacturing company and he's at his lunch break and he sees his posting for a sales guy. Mm. And uh, he thinks, well, I, that would be great. You know, I get off the third shift. I, I could, you know, be out whining and dining and playing golf. And, and, and as this little exercise unfolds, we have Frank Schlamowitz preparing for his interview. And this is, this is I think, what, 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 what really gets into the, the question you're asking, Tim. As he's preparing for his interview, we have him identify the four or five things that he believes make him qualified to be a good salesperson, right. XYZ salesperson. And he says, well, okay, in order for me to be a successful salesperson here at XYZ, let's see, I really understand the product. I'm a very good relationship builder. I am gregarious, friendly, and that sort of thing. I know I'm a good communicator. Uh, I'm aggressive, and and I'm sure I would be a good closer. You know, so he, without even thinking about it, sort of defines his attributes in that way, which is how everybody defines, if you will, goodness in in sales. Then what happens is he gets into the job and ends up sort of coming across like all of the like all other salespeople. Right. You know, we talk about, uh, well, let's take one for example. He's a good rapport builder, good relationship builder. Mm. Okay. What happens is as a result of that, because he's playing into the caricature of sale of the right. salesperson, the schmoozing, you know, hey, nice fish on the wall, you're a fisherman kind of thing, right? And that backfires on you. And, and what happens is that salespeople like Frank Schlamowitz end up, uh, because of that inherited way of thinking about, about sales, 
they end up, you know, trying to use friendship and rapport as a sales tool, and it's not. It, it can is often very counterproductive. Hmm. They end up, um, if you think about what he said, I really understand the product, and I'm a good communicator. Translated. Uh, I got the gift of gab, and I can show up and throw up with the best of them. You know, I, I operate in tell mode, and so what happens is because they really know the product and they believe they're good communicators, they end up falling into that other stereotype of the salesperson or caricature of the salesperson is talking too much. They end up because he thinks, you know, I'm aggressive, and I, you know, always got to be closing and things like that. They operate very transactionally, and they're always thinking about, you know, closing the deal, and 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 they. And, and as a result of that, they end up missing critical information uh, that, that is actually coming from, uh, from the customer. And so, you know, Frank does okay, does pretty much like everybody else does. He's a good rapport builder, really understands the product. Mm-hmm. And, you know, probably not going to wash out, but he's also not going to help his company get breakthrough results because – that inherited way of, of thinking, which we sometimes call a deadly DNA. That's mm-hmm. the salesperson's DNA. Sure. Well, let's touch on a little bit of those things. Then. I mean, some of those aspects you mentioned that people probably do think of when they hear sales position or, or what you should be. Um, as you said, you're almost feeding into a character in that way. But you mentioned the, the idea of talking too much. And as you said, most people think, well, that's what's what you do as a salesperson. You talk and you sell and, yeah, and right, this is how right, it works. So. Right. You know, maybe counterintuitive to that is is a different way of thinking. What's your perspective on really the the skill that should be there as opposed to talking too much? Well, how does that work? What's the shift there? Well, yeah, I mean, one of the other questions I like to ask salespeople, so you get 10 of them in the room, I'll say, at any point in your life, did anybody look at you and say, you know, you ought to be in sales. You've got the <laughs> gift of, and then they complete the sentence right. and they all say, gab. And and yeah, that is the caricature of, of the salesperson. And let's step back for a second and, and talk about, in a sense, why it is so important not to unwittingly play into the caricature, mm-hmm. or at least the stereotype of the salesperson. And I, I, I sometimes refer to it as the salesperson's unfortunate inheritance. You know, we talk about the deadly DNA, which is how Frank Schlamowitz is wired to think about sales. Right. The inheritance that all salespeople have inherited. It's it's more of a stigma mm. than anything else. And y- you know, you can say, well, uh, is it? That's your opinion, Jerry. It's really not. It's 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 a fact. It's measured. Like every year, if, if you Google this, you can you can see the few organizations that will measure the trust and confidence that people place in different professions. Mm. And, you know, doctors are always near the top. And since 9-11, firemen are always very okay. near the top of trusted, inherent trusted professions. So if right. you had a spectrum, they're over on that end. But if you look at the other end, the least trusted, <laughs> and we hate to say it, but it's it's just an empirical, demonstrable, measurable fact that salespeople are over there with politicians. Ouch. Okay, yeah, with politicians. Not a good so, spot to be in. It's not trust. a good spot to be in. <laughs> and trust, and you just said the key word, Tim. In a profession where trust is the cornerstone of success, the cornerstone of results, we start in a hole mm. as salespeople. And this is a subject that is it's, it's sort of vital to this conversation. It's vital to all salespeople who are thinking about sales. But it's a, it's a topic I just I don't like talking about because it, it sort of it, it makes everybody uncomfortable. But the reality is that people, salespeople have to understand is that it's not their fault. It's not – they've inherited this from generations of generations of salespeople that have gone before them. You know, I mean, even think of the jokes. We, uh, did you know salespeople have their own light bulb joke? 
I was not aware of that. Well, okay. <laughs> how many light bulb? How many salesmen does it take to change a light bulb? No idea. I'm working on a number right now. I think you'd be pleasantly <laughs> surprised. Okay, you know how can you tell when a salesman's uh, lying? His lips are moving, right? We hear these jokes, and and yeah, you know they're funny and all that, but the reality is that because of the the inherited lack of trust that comes with the profession, the first thing that salespeople have to do is to understand, first embrace that, whether mm. you like it or not, you right. have to embrace that. But I think the first skill that they need to develop to address that after acknowledging it is to realize how often they play into the caricature, how unwittingly they play into that caricature, mm. oftentimes just with the words that they use. I mean, the, the, the most prominent example of how we can play into that character, one very easy example to think about is this. Now, I'm going to go down a path here for a second. I hope it, I hope it makes sense because no, I think definitely. it's a good illustration of how salespeople can really get in their own way. Mm -hmm. Now, you and I sort of know each other. If I call you tomorrow on the phone and say, hey, Tim, Jerry, how are you doing? Okay? Yeah. Now, what's your reaction to that going to be? It's going to be one. You're not even going to think about it. It's just Jerry starting a phone conversation sure. with me. You're not sitting there thinking, oh, that's wonderful. Jerry just cares about <laughs> me and how I am, okay? There's no reaction from you, okay? Go to the grocery store. Check out clerk says, you know, hello, sir. How are you? You know, there's no reaction. Right. It's automatic. It's, it's automatic. Yeah. It's automatic. Yeah. That is... The, that is the key word. It's automatic. Let me tell you something else that's automatic. When we're sitting in our office or our home, whatever, and the phone rings, and we hear at the other end, hi, this is so-and-so from such-and-such -such a company. How are you today? There's an automatic response, isn't there? Usually, yeah. Virtually <laughs> always. And it's a very negative response, right. okay? And that's because... People think in your word automatic, Tim, was perfect because the reality of how people process things, customers, people in general, customers, is very automatic thinking. And when they're at the other end of the phone, they hear at the other end of the phone, you know, this is sales from such and such a company, how are you? They automatically, the defenses go up. And half the time, you and I both know, everybody listening knows, when we hear that at the other, other end of the phone, we kind of want to get off. Mm -hmm. Why? Because that automatic thinking in our minds is processing that, how are you, in an instant and telling us that's a salesperson and I've been programmed. My DNA has been programmed not to trust salespeople. And salespeople say, how are you at the, be at the beginning of a call? So bam. And so I use that as an example of the many things that salespeople do where they unwittingly get in their own way. And I think one of the first things that they can do is to start recognizing that a lot of the words and phrases they're using are, are hurting them. Needs, you know. Hi, Mr. Customer, we're here because we want to bring solutions to your unique needs. Yeah, guess what? So have the, the last 38,000 salespeople that mm. came through. So we have to start recognizing that we're unwittingly playing into that character, even without trying. Right. You know, I'm not going to try to sell you anything today. <laughs> Guess what? <laughs> you know, another classic kind of kind of line. Yeah. So, so in terms of you know th th that's that that issue, uh, Tim, of the the reputation mm -hmm. that we've inherited. And I know we spend a lot of time on that, but it is vital that salespeople understand this is their inheritance, and the first thing that they need to do is to try to avoid unwittingly reinforcing that negative caricature. 
So, you know, we're talking about this idea and, you know, the reputation and the, the caricature, so to speak. If you are somebody out there who is looking into sales, you, you want that as your as your job, you're a job seeker. Um, I mean, what sort of guidance can you give in terms of standing out, not being that caricature, showing that an employer, I'm going to be profitable for your company? I mean, what, what are some of the ways that we could help our listeners not fall into those traps and then not be like everyone else in sales, but, you know, be the head of the class, so to speak. What can they do? Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard um, to some extent because the, even, even employers are almost looking for that traditional sure. thing. However, even if employers are intellectually, consciously looking for that traditional thing, they subconsciously have that same automatic thinking going on. I'm glad you used the word automatic before, Tim, because that's precisely what it is. The employers have that same automatic thinking going on. And that automatic thinking causes them to form negative impressions of this sales, this candidate. Mm -hmm. If that sales candidate is doing a lot of things and saying things that salespeople would use because what's going on in that employer's mind is, you know, again, that automatic stereotyping. And so what, what candidates can do, what salespeople can do to help themselves is to be mindful that if they're going in and, and they, they, they can play into the stereotype, the character of the salesperson, if they go in, for example, in an interview and say, you know, I believe that sales is all about relationships. Okay, well, you know what? Um, that's not necessarily going to play in your favor, sure. okay? Because what happens is either consciously or subconsciously, mostly subconscious, what the uh, the employer concludes is, and again, it's probably more subconscious, is, oh, okay, this guy, we're seeing a lot of green fees on our nickel, we're seeing a lot of entertainment, we're seeing a lot of schmoozing and things like that. Because mm. when, when salespeople think about relationships, that's what they think about. That's how they define them as the friendship, the rapport, the right. entertaining and things like that. I think salespeople can um, help themselves a lot by again, uh, uh, doing everything possible to avoid the caricature and, you know, talk about their, not so much their rapport building skills and their product expertise and things like that, but their analytical abilities, um, their business savvy, you know, things like that. That's what would more likely resonate, I think, mm -hmm. with, uh, uh, with employers. Do you have any specifics that you know maybe somebody goes into it could be an interview setting where you can display that i know it's difficult because we're speaking in generalities and each company may have something different you'd want to focus on but uh, you know people want to hear those examples of okay i get what you're saying how do i go about doing that how do i express that to an employer who as you said has these ideas in their head already about me mm -hmm. just because i want this position mm -hmm. i mean is there something specific we can point to or help them in that case help the uh the job seekers correct yeah um is, is, let's say in an interview setting kind of thing yeah exactly. i mean that's just, where i think you really can probably more shine so to speak and right and, and again the idea is that the employer they're getting quality candidates uh, as we talked about people are going into sales probably at a fine rate, but it's the idea of having people right. really being profitable for your company. Right. So as right. a job seeker, you want to be that person. How do we really show that to an employer to hire me over, you know, John Doe over here who sounds like every other sales rep? Yeah, I think what, to me, what, what job seekers as salespeople need to do, and, and, you know, for a lot of them, 
the things we're talking about here, this may be the first time they're hearing that. But that said, what job seekers need to do is try to convey a certain and, and this has really worked well, even for people who don't fully get the stuff that we're talking about, is to try to convey a certain discomfort with the, the normal paradigm of sales. Hmm. And that really plays well. For example, I know a guy named Mark who uh, just changed jobs and uh, sales, of course. And, and a few weeks after he was, uh, was hired, he was out for lunch or something with his new boss. And his, um, his boss said, you know, Mark, um, I thought I'd let you know that one of the reasons we chose you in the interview is, is some, one thing you said that just stood out to me. It was when you said, you looked at me and said, you know, the guy's name is Jack. You know, Jack, I've always had a belief that just because a customer gives you a hug doesn't mean he's going to buy from you. <laughs> and that resonated with Jack, his sure. new boss, because because Jack sort of gets this new paradigm that sales isn't all about buddy-buddy and rapport building mm. and things like that. And so it was that one line that got Mark the job. So I, I think I think job seekers can do uh, do themselves a lot of good by just – even if they don't know how to express it, question a certain discomfort with the traditional paradigm of mm -hmm. sales. And I think that will separate them from all the other candidates are coming in saying, well, yeah, I'm, uh, you know, I'm a good rapport builder and sales is all about relationships and, uh, you know, that kind of thing. Right. When we look at the other side of things and with employers, um, you know, clearly, as we talked about, they want that, that profitable person, uh, so to speak. And you know, maybe they should be looking into this uh, different idea of, of what they're looking for in, in their candidates. But if you were speaking to a group of employers who are, I, we, we need people, we need people that are really going to bring a lot of you know business, a lot of profitability to our company. Is there a strategy or, or some suggestions you have in terms of maybe their perspective being changed in terms of who they're looking for, where they're looking? Um, you know, I don't know if it's something where you have plenty of unemployed people or you have other people that are looking to change careers for various reasons. Do you go that route? I mean, is there a certain strategy that has to change or that would help if employers did alter a little bit who they're looking for or what they're looking for? Well, yeah, I think this probably gets to the heart of the matter here that uh, sales jobs are hard to fill for employers and uh, – they're hard to fill with qualified candidates. And, and once again, we'll go back to that Einstein thing about keep doing the same old thing and expecting different results. And, and I think what happens with employers is they make a number of, of mistakes that I think they need to step back and, and evaluate. Uh, they, of course, are typically looking at a lot of the traditional attributes. Does this person have a lot of product expertise? Mm -hmm. Is this person a good rapport builder? And is this person a good communicator? Okay. And now, I don't want to take anything away from those particular skills, but they are weighted almost exclusively as the attributes that, that employers are looking for. And so what happens is they hire the person and, you, again, you end up with Frank Schlamowitz, somebody who is out there who's, you know, buddy-buddy with everybody and, and he's in tell mode and, and um, you know, kind of coming across like everybody else. And so I would, I would really urge employers to step back and, and start to reevaluate themselves. What, how do we really define success? I mean, right. even starting with that, that definition of the job description of salespeople is, you know, realizing that salespeople exist to contribute profitable revenue 
for their own their own company. And if you start with that as the nucleus, and then and then you start building on that. Okay, what do we have to do to start building profitable revenue? And when you you start realizing that a lot of the traditional things that they look for, um, you know, the, again, the product ex- expertise and whatnot aren't necessarily compatible with that uh, with, with that end game. I think mm-hmm. another mistake that employers can make is they often will hire thinking that this sales guy is going to bring all of his customers with him. I've never seen that work. Hmm. It, you know, it's like, oh, he's going to bring all of his accounts and they're going to, it doesn't work that right. way. So I would, I would caution them against hiring um, on, on that front. I mean, I, I would just tell uh, em- employers to, you know, be a little bit more objective about it. Define your criteria. Don't go by gut feel. And, again, redefine how you think about this thing called sales away from the very traditional product expert talking head kind of thing, mm-hmm. talking head schmoozer. And I don't know if that, if that helps them. It's, it, again, it's a little difficult in the, in the context of a, you know, sort of a short radio program to, to try to get into you know, what, just, what does the new paradigm look like. But... If you can at least start by questioning the existing paradigm mm-hmm. and then start thinking of, well, what's the opposite of that paradigm? Right. You know, okay, the existing paradigm is tell mode. We got to get people that, salespeople that we think could operate in seek mode, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I, I think that would, uh, that would go a long way to help employers uh, do a better job of, of hiring. I think that's an important thing you say. I mean, it really even it just comes down to somebody saying, hey, let's look at this in a different way because it, it's so easy to fall into the same traps and hey, maybe it worked for you for a long time, but it, it, clearly something's not working now in terms of having the right fits and qualified candidates according to a lot of this research and, and things that you know probably you've experienced that we've heard about, we've read about. Um, you know, unfortunately, we are getting a little low on time, but I just kind of wanted to open it up for you to, to sort of you know, whether it be a summary idea or just your your best pieces of advice, so to speak, whether it be to the the people that are looking into sales and what's really, I mean, we've talked a lot about that whole, the idea of paradigm and, and being different in essence, um, standing out is what it would happen. But what would you point to if you were in a room full of people who are in the industry or, or looking to get into the, this industry of sales, just what's that key? What what would you harp and preach to them? Well, yeah, I I think I'd I'd go to what you just said a second ago, Tim, to the employers, which is you know if you just start by saying we're going to start with a clean sheet of papers to how we define the role of sales and the attributes of salesperson, just to you know turn it on its head. If you just start there and, and take a leap of faith, and, and you're going to come up with something that's a whole lot better than what you've got right now. For job seekers, I think the, the, the key takeaway is recognize that you've inherited a stigma. Mm-hmm. We don't like it, um, but recognize also that if, if you want to distinguish yourself from uh, others in the field, that the extent to which you can try to use language that doesn't play into that, don't go in an interview and talk about your uh, you know, relationship skills and things like that. I think maybe another thing for the job seekers is, um, and, and this should be, a, uh, I, I guess, a, a, a word of encouragement to those uh, introverted types out there, uh, which is that you don't have to be an extroverted schmoozer to make it in sales. 
in the in the, in the if you will in the new paradigm of, of sales um, and and maybe the last thing I would I would say is is if you're drawn to you know, are you are you drawn to selling or are you drawn to the job of sales? A lot of people are drawn to the job of sales, mm-hmm. the freedom that it represents, right. the potential to make a lot of money. They say, you know, sales is the hardest, hardest high-paying job in the world and the easiest low-paying job. <laughs> There's a lot of truth to that. You know, so what are you really drawn to? Uh, just the job of sales or the actual, you know, process of, of selling? I mean, I think that's a great way to really wrap it up. And in, in terms of trying to find that match and you know it, it, as we've talked about it, it's tough to speak in generalities and, and just be in this setting and really have a grasp for why this position doesn't get filled or why this candidate doesn't qualify but I think you did a, a terrific job of, of giving people just something more to think about more knowledge more understanding that hopefully will help down the road so uh, with that we will have to wrap things up here I'm moving up the ladder um, perhaps Jerry's insight can be some guidance to our listeners out there whether it be employers or job seekers Again, our expert in studio has been Jerry Stapleton, president of Stapleton Resources. Jerry, where can people find out more about your company? Uh, StapletonResources.com. Usually the easiest way to find it. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Thanks again for coming and giving us your perspective. You bet. Thanks, Tim. Of course, it's always great to hear from you, the listeners, as well. So please drop us an email with any comments or suggestions at ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. Wishing you success in all your endeavors. I'm Tim Muma. You've been listening to localjobnetwork.com radio.